Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I've got a great show for you today, and in today's show, I'm joined by Annie Dickerson. She is an entrepreneur and a real estate investor with Goodick Investments. Great to see you again, Annie. Glad to be here, MC. Yeah, always enjoy our conversations and been looking forward to this interview. So thank you for joining us. For listeners not familiar with you and what you do, can you please share a little bit about your background and journey with them? Oh, sure. I'll give you the short version. (laughs) So I started out as an elementary school teacher, believe it or not. I had nothing to do with real estate. In fact, my parents didn't even buy a house the whole time that I was growing up. We always rented and stumbled into real estate investing through house hacking. Uh, My husband and I had bought our first home when we were living in Washington, D.C. We bought a duplex, lived in one unit and rented out the other. And as our realtor put it, if we had played our cards right, we were going to be cash flow positive. So we did. And um, we started seeing that sweet cash flow and we were like, oh, we could keep doing this. And so we continued um, at first house hacking duplexes and then eventually getting into small multifamily and now into real estate syndications. And it's been quite a journey, I have to say, from one of the best things to have in business and someone that can really run a business is a former teacher. Knowing that because my wife is a former teacher and I know how well organized she is uh, and her attention to detail. So that already right there is a massive, massive asset. So where, where do you currently reside? I'm in Oakland, California. Okay. And where did you guys move out there? Uh, let's see. So it, MC, it's easier if I start from the very beginning. Okay. <laughs> <No> <laughs> All worries. right. So I've lived in so many places in my life. Um, I was born in Beijing, okay. China, and then we moved to Iowa, New Jersey, Tennessee, which is where my husband and I met in high school, believe it or not. And go. then we lived in, and then I went to college in Philadelphia and then we lived in DC together. And then I decided I wanted to go back to school after teaching to study games game design of all things. And that took us to Vancouver, Canada. And then about six years ago, we moved down to the Bay Area. Wow. You you weren't kidding when you were saying you were that it's a great place to see to see a big part of uh, North America in this case, because there's a Canadian city in there too. Great city, by the way. Love Vancouver. Beautiful place. And you mentioned house hacking is kind of when what when you got started into real estate. So how was the transition over? When did you start getting into multifamily? When did you start looking into that part of real estate? So we had been house hacking. We named our... Um, our duplexes after the letters of the alphabet. So we had Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta. And we're in fact, we're living in Delta right now. We're still house hacking. Um, And a few years ago, I started getting more serious about real estate investing. And at first, you know, I, I fell into the bigger pockets rabbit hole and learned a lot more. And I said, I said to my husband, honey, we need to invest more in real estate. We need to step it up. This is where it's going to be. And at first I thought, okay, well, let's just invest in another duplex. It's working for us so far. We'll just do another one. 
But as you may know, or your listeners may know, the Bay Area is quite a, a beast when it comes to real estate. Um, we had a, a, a two-bedroom house down the street from us sell for almost a million dollars. Two oh, wow. bedrooms. And so we're looking at this and we're like scratching our heads and we're like, okay, so maybe it'll, it'll take a few years for us to save up enough to buy another duplex. And now with two kids and all their stuff and toys and schools, and we're like, okay, maybe we don't want to go down that path. And then we were like, okay, well, but what do we do? <laughs> like we want to keep investing in real estate. What other options are there? So that's when we started looking at investing outside of our local area. We started looking at investing out of state. But when you go from investing in your backyard to investing long distance, it can be completely overwhelming because we said, well, the rest of the 49 states are open to us. Where do we start? <laughs> and so I started researching all of these different markets with the intention of really investing in a small multifamily. So not maybe a little bit bigger than a duplex, but not anything like 100 units or, or anything like that. So we were looking at maybe four units to maybe 10 units. And so that's when we started investing. We found a great little market, Huntsville, Alabama, fit a lot of our goals. And so we started investing there a few years ago and started investing in small multifamily. Um, the funny thing is, when you invest in a house hack, you're living there. So we're living in our house hack right now. The tenants that we have in our downstairs unit, they're people like us. They li like to live in this nice neighborhood. They have steady jobs, steady paychecks. They communicate well. They'll let us know when things go wrong. They don't steal from us. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that's all very different from the types of tenants when you go to invest in a developing neighborhood, which is where the cash flow tends to be. Yep. So that's what we discovered when we started investing in smaller multifamily was we started having tenant theft, vandalism, and all these different issues we were not prepared for, which is then why we then moved into passive investing and real estate syndications because then we realized, oh, there's another way to do it where right. we can have somebody else do all the hard work for us. The 1% grow their business and investments every year regardless of the economy and marketplace and pay very little or no taxes legally. Besides having the right mindset, elite strategies and tactics, and the counsel of elite wealth advisors, coaches and mentors, they have access to opportunities that the rest of the population do not. If you're an accredited investor, we have a network that provides Cashflow Ninja listeners access to exclusive business and investment opportunities. To join our investors network, please apply at CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. And then, so you went into, uh, and this is a great, I mean, there's so much to learn here. So you started active, you ran into roadblocks because surprise, surprise, as I always say, you know, guess what? People might not pay their rent, not, not only on time or late at all, or, 
you know, there might be damage to the property. There's so many other different things that can go wrong. And the, yes, there's some great success to be had in real estate. It's a great asset class. We love it. But you have to understand exactly what you're getting yourself into when you go in there as an active operator in the space. And then you guys uh, pivoted a little bit tactically and said, well, there's other deals that can be done where we find great operators and invest passively alongside them. And we don't have to deal with tenant theft, late payments, evictions, all that kind of stuff, um, which is a great, I mean, it's great to contrast the, a little bit of the two, both of its benefits, right? Because you learn your lessons, you learn the business, you learn real estate, you understand that. So that positions you to become a better passive investor, finding the right, right people, right? Mm -hmm. And I got to say, you know, people always say, oh, well, real estate, isn't that passive? You know, you just get a property manager and then they do all the work, right? Right. And that's what I thought too. I thought, oh, well, we'll invest long distance. We'll get a property manager. They'll do it all. But the thing is, I am a terrible landlord in the sense that I care too much about people. And so when you were talking a moment ago about vic uh, evictions, I'm the kind of landlord who the property manager will come to me and say, well, so they haven't been paying for the last week, but they said that they would. I said, okay, yep. okay, let's give them another week. Let's see what happens. Or, you know, they said that they're, they got in a car crash or, you know, this and that happened. What do you want to do? Because that's yes. the property manager's job. They get the information and then they look to you as the owner to make the decisions on your property because ultimately it's your property, not your property manager's property. And right. so that's the part I didn't realize was we still had to make those strategic decisions and I didn't always have, um, that wasn't my forte. Right, right. So at that stage, so you, you then you found success as a passive investor, you're enjoying this and the role and you pivoted and saw another opportunity there what was some of the next steps which eventually led to good egg investments yeah so you know the funny thing is when when i was investing in this small multifamily when you go outside of the bay area everything looks like it's on fire sale mm -hmm. right i mentioned the two bedroom and almost a million dollars well yep. i was looking at four unit properties in huntsville for two hundred thousand dollars and i called up my realtor and i said is there something wrong with this property what's you know is this in a bad neighborhood and he said oh no no that's a nice neighborhood there's a good schools and so we just, we didn't know any better. We just bought up a whole bunch of them. We were like, okay, well, everything's on sale. Let's just buy up a bunch. Um, and in this process, as we were buying up all these multi, small multifamilies, friends and family started to take notice and they said, oh my gosh, I want to do what you're doing. Can you teach me how to do what you're doing? And I said, yeah. <laughs> no problem. Come on over. Sit down. I'll teach you the whole thing. Here's what you do. You research the markets. You find a market. Then you find a, a broker. You talk to a lender. You do the underwriting. You go, you look at the inspection reports. You, and I'm going down this list and inevitably their eyes glaze over and they're like, oh, you mean I have to do work? Uh, no, no, no. I don't, uh, that's not for me. But I had had enough of these conversations where I realized that people had money that they wanted to invest into real estate, but the hurdle was so high that they couldn't do it. Right. And I said to myself, well, I know how to do it. I've done it before, but 
you know, there's, there's no room for me to bring somebody into a $200,000 for a unit building. There's just, you know, there's, there's not much room there. So I said, well, if I can't do a four unit, maybe I could do something a little bigger. At, at that point, I didn't know anything about syndications. I didn't know that syndications were even a thing. I just thought that apartment buildings were owned by companies, you know, <laughs> like, sure, yep. companies. It's probably large companies that own them. And then as soon as I found out about syndications, I said, oh my gosh, I could do this. How hard could it be? I've done a four unit. I could do a 40 unit, a hundred unit, right? I thought, surely it can't be that hard. And so I started down the path, uh, working with a, a mentor and really understanding the underwriting and the acquisitions and all of that. And in the process of doing all that, you know, I was getting to know more people in the commercial syndication space. And I had an opportunity to partner with someone else on their deal. And one of the things that they asked me to help with was raising the capital for the deal. And I said, heck no, I'm not going to raise. No, that's the worst part. Give me something else to do. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, think of it this way. When you're raising capital, even though it's not your, the, a deal that you found yourself, you're still giving your investors access to a great opportunity. So you're building your reputation as someone who has access and can find these great deals. And so I said, huh, you know, that makes sense, but I'm only going to try and raise a little bit of capital for this deal. I'm going to save my good investors for my own deal. Um, and as luck would have it, as soon as I started, I loved it. I realized that the raising capital piece was the piece that I loved the most. And looking back, it makes total sense. I mentioned I was an elementary school teacher. Yep. And raising capital is all about teaching people how yep. these opportunities work. And so at that point, that's when I was able to really think think and reflect and say to myself, you know what? Actually, I don't love the underwriting piece. I actually don't love the asset management piece or the acquisitions piece. I can now just focus on this piece and adding value this way. And so that's when uh, my partner Julie and I co-founded um, Good Egg Investments really to help other moms, other working parents like ourselves to find these great opportunities so, they could, so that they could create passive income and spend more time with their kids. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB.
No, you've and you guys have done a phenomenal job providing a ton of value. And I love the educational piece too, because that's a big part of it, right? Is understand, know, know why you're doing something and how how this is how this all works, right? So it's been uh, it's been really good to see that. What are some of the things that you can share with folks to uh, some of the some of the things that have worked for you raising capital, some of the quote unquote secrets to the success, right? Isn't that what everybody wants? The secret sauce. Well, how do I raise capital? What has worked for you in uh, the process of raising capital for the projects that you guys are involved in? So when we first started Good Egg Investments, we said, okay, anybody who's got money, come on in, we'll take you. You got, you know, 20,000, 50,000, whatever. If you've got money, doesn't matter if you're a physician, you're a lawyer, you're retired, you're starting out your career, anyone, come on in. And very quickly, we realized that even though that could work in the short term, because we're mostly talking to friends and family, once you expand outside of friends and family, and you're starting to try to get um, new prospects, new leads, it wasn't working for us. And here's why is because we were creating all of this um, content and this marketing for a generic person, for an anybody. And that's, that's not a real person. And so very quickly, we realized all of our messaging, all of our content was very bland. It was very generic because we were afraid of offending someone because we were trying to get everybody. Right. And so then we went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, well, who are we really trying to help here? And Julie and I are both busy working moms. She has three kids. I have two kids. And we said, well, what got us into this was because we were working our jobs. We were climbing the corporate ladder and we were having more and more meetings on our calendar and we couldn't spend as much time with our families as we wanted to. So we said, well, maybe that's the angle. Maybe we can find people who think like us and who are in that part of life, the same season of life as we are. And so once we were able to define that target audience and to start speaking directly to them and start creating content for them, first of all, it made the content creation so much easier because, you know, I hear all the time about people sitting in front of a blank screen and they're like, I need to write a blog post, but I don't know what to write about. Well, suddenly if you have a target audience and for us, we had a, an investor avatar. So a fictional person who represented our ideal audience. Her name is Jen. She's 38 years old. She's got three kids. We know everything about Jen. So when we sit down to create content, now it's easy. Now we can say, okay, Well, what's Jen struggling with? Okay, she wants to make it to yoga class, but she has no time. And she wants to play with her kids, but, you know, she she has meetings all day. And so what can we do for Jen today that will get her just one step closer to creating that passive income or that financial freedom that will let her play with her kids more. And so suddenly it made it so much easier for us to create content. And it also made it so that we were actually getting more prospects, more leads, because people, even people outside of the gens of the world were connecting with our brand because suddenly our brand had a personality. 
That is such a powerful lesson right there. If you're if you have a business, if you're trying to build a brand to understand and I love it how you put it because I have something similar where I have my avatars that I speak to and I try to put myself in their shoes, what they're listening to, what value that they're trying to get from what the content that we create here and the conversations that we have. So it's uh, absolutely very, very, very powerful. And then it was liftoff, right? Now you got, it's almost like a, a movement that you guys have created um, around your brand. And uh, it, it's just fascinating to see the growth. What is uh, next in store for you guys for 2020? What, what are some of the things that you guys are excited about? So much. <laughs> when... When Julie and I set out to create Good Egg Investments, we really had two, um, two main goals. One was to educate people about these opportunities, and the other was to help them actually take action and invest in real estate syndication so that they could realize that passive income. And what we've realized are a few, many things. We've learned so much in the time that we've been in business. One is we've realized because we are serving a very specific audience, we've realized we can't serve everyone. You know, we our, our messaging and our content might reach the gens of the world, but they might not reach the, you know, the engineers who love details and charts and graphs and data because yep. that's just not, not us and that's not our brand. Right. But we've always wanted to from the get-go we wanted to make real estate syndication something that's easy and accessible for everyone and once we realized we couldn't reach everyone that we wanted to we said okay well what else can we do and we said well one thing we can do is to help other people who are also in the syndication space who have different target audiences for their businesses we can help set them up for success so that they can reach more people so that's something that we're doing through our new program the real estate accelerator is we're teaching people how to raise capital and scale their own businesses in a sense somebody brought this up the other day they said aren't you just creating your own competitors and I said well yeah in a sense except you know, there's so many people out there who could benefit from passive income and real estate syndications. And so that's what we've got our eye on is those end investors. And we think that there's, you know, we come from an abundance mindset. So we know that there's enough investors out there to go around. There's that education piece. And then on the syndication space, we are learning a lot. Um, as you know, you were on our podcast and, you know, we're learning that the real estate syndication is really just a piece of the overall pie. You know, it's not the be all and end all. And that's something that we are teaching our investors as well. As we are learning more financial strategies, life planning strategies, we're teaching those to our investors as well so that they have a holistic view of all of their, their finances and their life planning and their goals so that it's not just real estate syndications, but that's a piece of the overall picture. MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, Go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. 
Yeah, there's always something different to learn, right? What are and that that's another thing that I've observed besides the the media piece and building the business and figuring out the different angles. What are some of the other stuff that you're currently studying and and learning? Yeah, oh my gosh. This, there's there's never an end to learning <laughs> no, when you're when you're running a business, right? And yep. that's the that's the fun part is there's always new things to dig into. And so right now I'm learning a lot about um, SEO, search engine yep. optimization. Um, that's something that has eluded me for a long time because there's so much content out there about SEO and everybody seems to say something different. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was, was getting all confused. I was like, what's going on? This person says to do this and this person says to do that. Um, so that's something I'm sinking my teeth into right now. And then I feel like people always say, oh, it's great. You have a marketing background and you know, it's, it's a great asset to the business. And I, I always say, no, I didn't, I, I didn't study marketing. I, I had no professional marketing experience before I got into this. So I'm really flying by the seat of my pants here, but that's what I love about it is that I can learn more about it right now. You know, we just, we just published our book, Investing for Good. So figuring out how to leverage that book, how to get that out there. The podcast as well, learning how to market that. So it's a lot of uh, around the, the marketing and the education pieces and how to really step that up to the next level. And that's a constant changing environment too, the marketing for business. It's quite incredible. Uh, you just look at, I mean, people... Here's a good example. People build businesses on Facebook, right? A lot of e-commerce sites. And then all of a sudden, Facebook changed the algorithms so that when you post something, first it was like 7%. Uh, the post that you would post, nor which would normally, if somebody subscribed to your page, it would just show up in your feed. It dropped down to only 7% of the people that are actually subscribed to you would see it. And now I believe it's around about 1%. So they, I mean, just that small little tweak right there, completely a game changer, could destroy a lot of e-commerce businesses. You know, Instagram's the same. You know, a lot of people complain about that with organic reach and the hashtags. And so all these different platforms. So it's like every single week, there's almost something that you got to stay on top of or you know monitor or so it's a it's a moving target constantly yeah well you know and that's the reason so do you know out of all of the social media platforms do you know the one that's most effective it's not facebook linkedin it's not twitter yeah. it's not linkedin it's not instagram it's none of those it's actually email and so that's the one and it's hard when you're starting a business because email is so it, it's not external facing right yeah. it doesn't look like from the outside that your business is progressing and so i remember being in that phase when we were just starting our business i'm like i don't want to spend all this time writing emails and drip campaigns <laughs> and no who's gonna see that right yep. from the outside it doesn't you know it's not like we're building a, our website or building landing pages and all this stuff i was like ah emails. When I found that out, I was like, ah, emails. I don't want to spend my time in emails. But it's so true. You know, you, you mentioned only 1% of your Facebook following might see your posts. Well, yeah. emails, it's in everybody's inbox, direct right. in their inbox. And even if they never open it, and this is something I had to learn because I was like, oh no, my open rates, you know, 
But even if they never open it, they still see your name in their inbox. And it creates that top of mind awareness. And that's what you want. You don't even need people to open your email. You just need them to be reminded, oh, yeah, Good Egg Investments is still there. Oh, Cashflow Ninja. Yeah, okay. I should, I should, you know, it's just one ding to remind them that you're there. It's so true. And that's, that, by the way, is traffic that you own. So, and, and, and data that you own, because all the other things, you don't own that, you know, your, your, your platforms on social media, that could be shut down tomorrow, basically, not just because of a little tweak of an algorithm, but your email is still, I mean, it's funny how it keeps coming back to that, where I see so many different marketing things. Oh, emails are dead. No, it just keeps coming back. That that's actually one of the most effective, the effective, most effective way to reach folks and communicate with it. So this is very, very interesting stuff. Some of the markets and projects that you guys are involved in on the real estate side. Maybe if you want to share just some of the things that you guys are excited about, uh, some of the markets that you are, are excited about and looking at. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, with the volatility in the market right now, it's just, it's crazy. And we've been talking about this for a long time, how when you invest in the stock market, it can really be like, you got I, you got to have a tough stomach for that. Because when I was doing that, you know, you go in every day, you see the green arrow and you're like, oh, good, things are good today. But I don't know about tomorrow. And then tomorrow yeah. it's like a red arrow and you're like, oh, bummer. I kind of lost what I gained yesterday and just constant back and forth. So most people just put their money in the stock market and they just don't look at it. Right. And then they look at the long-term trends. And over the last year, it's been like, oh good. Like things are moving up. Look at how much I've made. And then bam, it's like all gone, wiped out an entire year of gains. It's just crazy. It just disappears into thin air and for Mm -hmm. something that's completely out of your control. And so that's what we talk to people about all the time with real estate is a building cannot disappear into thin air. It's there. The land is there. The tenants are there. And whether the economy is good or bad, it turns out people still like to live indoors. So (laughs) (laughs) there's always a demand for housing. And so that's what we've focused on. We've done some other asset classes, but our focus at the moment is really on value add um, B-class multifamily. And so I don't know how familiar your listeners might be with the different asset classes of commercial real estate, but the reason we focus on B-class is um, A-class being the luxury tier and then C-class, B and C-class being the workforce housing and D-class being more of the fringe areas that you might want to stay away from. So the reason we focus on B-class is really to be as conservative as possible because in good times, people from C class will say, "Hey, I got got a bonus on my page. I got a better check, or a better better job. I got a raise. I'm going to move to that nice apartment complex across the way." So they move from C class up to B class. And then in not so good times, people from A class who previously had all this cash flow, all this money, and they had they're living in these luxury apartments, they say, "Ah, you know what? Things are getting a little tight. Might have to move to." a a smaller apartment. And so they move from A class to B class. So there's always a demand for B class. Um, And so we're investing in value add B class multifamily. And so value add being those 
apartments that need a little love, right? Maybe the kitchens haven't been updated in a while. The flooring might be peeling apart. And so we go in there and we add that value. And so right now we're focused on um, a few different markets. So Dallas, San Antonio, Raleigh, Greenville, South Carolina, and a few of the Florida markets, Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. And I was actually just out in Tampa and Orlando last week, actually. It's just, I'm sitting in traffic, right? Wall-to-wall traffic. And I'm like, where am I? Am I in like Los Angeles or the Bay Area? But no, I was in Tampa. I was in Tampa and I was in all this traffic. And then it's like, oh man, I'm stuck in traffic. And then I thought for a second, I said, this is a good thing. This means that there's a lot of job growth here, a lot of population growth here. And that's exactly what we look for in these markets. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion-dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. It's funny through that story because that's a, that's a great reflection where it's like, no, this is actually good that I'm stuck in traffic. I actually enjoy this because there's a lot of people. And especially if you look at the migration within the, the trends in the country too. I mean, Florida is where a lot of folks are going, Texas, Florida, and, you know, leaving California, Illinois, New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, and so forth, going down to Arizona, uh, Florida, Texas. So it's, uh, it's definitely positioned very, very well. One habit I've observed, uh, well, let me go to our legacy, legacy question first. A core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? Oh, I love this question, because this is something I think about constantly with my two kids. They're two boys. They are seven and four. And um, I think about this all the time because I think, you know, I, I might pass down some money to them, but I might not. And what can I teach them to really um, set them up for success in life? So one thing that I always want to make sure that my kids um, know is that in anything in life that you have to go go into it with an open mind. And I think that has served me so well in everything. I mean, think about earlier when I was talking about um, house hacking, right? The first time that we went into that first duplex, we, my husband and I, we were in our early 20s. We had our, uh, our sights set on a condo or a loft. You know, we were sure we were going to be trendy, you know. And then our realtor said, well, have you thought about a row house? You know, you've got a unit on the top, a unit on the bottom. You could create some cash flow. And we said, oh, yeah. 
yeah, you're right. You know what? Let's look into that. Let's, you know, we came at it with an open mind. The same thing when we went from duplexes to multifamily, and the same thing when we went from multifamily to syndications, and now with discovering all of this stuff outside of syndications for building wealth. And so I think that's the first thing is go in with an open mind. And then the second thing is go in with an open mind, but think on your feet. Think critically about what you're learning and the opportunities that lay ahead of you. And think critically also about the things that you're being told. I think that's one thing, and we've talked about this before, MC, is yep. you know, growing up, I was I was always given those traditional lessons, yep. you know, as as an Asian American, you know, my my parents were always like, well, go to school, study hard, get straight A's, and then you'll be set for life. And so I did that. I followed all of the rules. I was valedictorian in my high school. I went to an Ivy League school. I followed all of the rules. And I got out of college and I said, now what? <laughs> I don't know how to manage money. I don't know what this whole, like they're telling me that about this thing called a 401k. I don't know what that is or how to contribute to it. Should I contribute a lot, a little? I don't know. And so I think think critically and really do your research and your own due diligence to form your own opinion about things. And then I would say the last thing is to know that success leaves clues. And I didn't realize this for a long time. I was just like, well, got to figure out my own way. In, you know, in many fields, teaching included, they always talk about don't reinvent the wheel, right? Somebody else has gone before you and done it. So just figure out who those people are, look at what they've done, and then take pieces from the successful pieces from what they've done and add those to your strategy. So I would say those would be my Three things that I would leave to my kids are to have an open mind, to think critically, and to know that success leaves clues. So look out for those other people who have gone before you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Annie, where can my listeners learn more about you? Where can they follow you? And where can they stay informed of all the projects and uh, get access to all the great content that you guys provide? Well, the best place to go is our website, goodegginvestments.com. There you will find access to all of the things that we've talked about on this show. Um, you can join our Good Egg Investor Club to get access to our deals. You can find our book there, our podcast there, and much more. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value. Always a pleasure to speak uh, with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, MC. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation 
situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.